Hey, everybody. Okay, you're not, y'all gonna need to wake up a little bit. Hey, everybody. Thank you. We need to be alive in this place. Amen. God is on the throne, isn't he? Langston, thank you so much for that testimony. I think that more people than you know have experienced that sense, whether it's a person or a way of life or um, a job or a whatever. We have all experienced loss in this season. And so it's, I love that scripture that God gave to you because God is good all the time. And we have to understand that in this season. Isn't that right? Can I get an amen? Um, Today, I want to talk to you about um, what's the plan, God? What's the plan? Has anybody asked God that question? What's going on here, God? What is your plan in this time? I'm telling you what, I talk about summer 2020 being what a year. And this is, to me, can you put that slide up? This is what summer for me looked like. Can you identify with that? Can you identify with that? I am not comfortable with anything that is going on right now. I don't like masks. I don't like being restrained. I am an independent woman, and I do not like it when you tell me that I cannot be free to do what God has called me to do, to be who God has called me to be. Amen? And so I've been a little bit frustrated. I'm going to be honest with you. By the way, I'm a fellow student with you this year. I am, I think still, I am a freshman in college this year, and I am taking math and English. So I just want you to know that I understand what you're going through, okay? I understand, and I am praying for you because it's been a lot more years for me being in school than it has been for you being in in your high school years if you're a freshman. There's a lot of work to do, and so I'm identifying with you today, but how many know our environment is so out of control right now? It's just there's nothing that's predictable, and the truth is um, we're in a transition, and we have to recognize that. Our society is in a transition like we have never known before. Our Our own um, lives are in transition. Our churches are in transition. Our society is in transition. And really without any preparation, I'm telling you, nobody was prepared for what has come upon the scene in 2020. And evil has, has onslaughted us and has permeated really every area of our lives. And literally the shift has been so strong it's been so powerful. It's, it's been like an earthquake where an earthquake just jars the, the whole earth. And not like a rumbling, it was just a jarring. And I believe that really it, it caught the church off guard. And we um, haven't stepped into a new season, friends. We've been shoved into a new season. We have been pushed into a new season. And now here we are. And I know a lot of people are talking about this. We've been talking about it probably all summer. But here we are. And honestly, at a moment by moment, I am not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. And I don't know if you are with me on this, but I need to know, God, what is the plan here? Because I don't have a framework, and none of us do. My dad's 90 years old this year. He's going to be 90 years old, and he has never seen, he was born in 1930, he has never seen the likes of what is going on in this world right now. And honestly, there is no manual 
for pandemic, anarchy, destruction, and riots. There's just, we don't have a class on that. It's not going to prepare you in that respect. What we know and what we have, um, what we are going to be prepared is going to happen in the spirit. We have to be prepared in the spirit. And so I'm a, I've been struggling for several months here, all these six months that we've been restrained because I'm a purpose person. And um, I like to fix things. And I don't like things to like take a long time. I want it just to be fixed now. So God, tell me how to fix it now. But how many know this is not an instant fix? There's been things that have been under the, under the radar for a long time that have been planned. And, and we have to be um, ready for a long haul of adjustment here. And so, like I said, I'm a purpose person. And I like, so I've been like trying to find purpose in everything I do. Like, what can I do? I, I, I've been prayer walking. I, went, I, I've been, I do um, exercise in the morning, and, and I spent my entire summer and all of the quarantine time in California. So I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on in California, but it is just, it is toe-up crazy, okay? It is nuts in California. And so I have been so frustrated and just struggling. God, what can I do? And so I would just go on these walks, around my neighborhood, and I would just um, be praying in the Spirit, and I just started realizing in our area where we live, there is a lot of construction going on, and so as a result, it's all farmland, and they're building up, and so as a result, there's a whole bunch of spiders that have been um, brought up and have like they're fl they're flying around and they're attaching themselves to all the trees and they're huge and they're called orb spiders and they're actually poisonous spiders. And so as I was walking through, I've se I've seen them in my backyard and I started, you know, taking them down because they're dangerous and they're huge and they're scary and they're ugly. But I started seeing them on my walk. And it started to make me mad because I felt like those spiders were invading my safe space of prayer right there. And because I needed a purpose, I said, okay, I'm going to start killing these spiders because I'm tired of them making me uncomfortable in my walk. And so I grabbed the biggest stick I could find. Every day I would go around my walking um, direction place, the place that I walk, around my neighborhood. And I would whack these spiders, and I am going after. I became the spider murderer of my area. And I'm like, I was in my own world. I didn't care what anybody said until my friend called me, and she said, Karen, I just want you to know Michelle was driving through the neighborhood, and she noticed that you were whacking the, the, the bushes and she was trying to figure out what it is that you were doing. And I just suddenly had this acknowledgement of how stupid I must be looking going after these spiders with such a vengeance because they were not going to take down my freedom. So I've been looking for purposes through this whole um, summer. Another place that I have been frustrated is God with the government and everything that's, and I'm not going to make this political, but our governor has been really restraining people in California, and it's been very um, frustrating for me. And I was so frustrated because we were trying to protest or we were trying to, you know, do petitions and do peaceful protests. And, and he said, I'm not going to be swayed by any of this stuff. I'm not going to be swayed by your petitions. I'm not going to be swayed by your, by your um, protest. And when he said that, I just fell to my knees, and God literally woke me up in the middle of the night. 
And instead of trying to go back to sleep, I just got up and I said, you know what, God, I need to know. What can I do? Because you have backed, the, the governor's backed us into a corner and we do not have anything that we can do other than prayer. Come on, somebody. He backed us into a corner where all we had left was prayer. And he took me to Nehemiah, and that's what I want to talk to you about, Nehemiah, a certain aspect of the story of Nehemiah today. And, and uh, he began to explain to me a process that I needed to go through. One was intercession. I needed to become a much deeper intercessor. And the other one that was that God said, you need to go to the capital, and you need to start walking around the capital and praying down the evil that's going on. So I took at least about two and a half to three weeks. Every morning, we would walk around to grab my friends, and they all had to come with me and do it. And we walked around, and God gave me a purpose in that moment to handle my frustration. How many know I can't fix the whole world, but I can do what God asks me to do on any given day, right? And so One thing that we do know is that we may not know what to do, but God knows what's going on. And this whole thing has not caught him off guard, and he's going to use it for his glory. We have to be sure in our hearts and our spirits. And honestly, I do not believe that this society in our lives are ever going to go back to what it was. I believe that we have to be ready for a new place and and how this is going to be, because we are in living in those end times. We cannot deny it anymore. We cannot laugh about it anymore. We cannot say, oh, they've been talking about it for years. We cannot do that anymore. We have to be um, about the Father's business. The Lord is going to return soon, and we are the generation right here. You are the generation that is going to see the return of the Lord. I truly believe that. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to make you excited because God is working in our midst in a mighty way. He's working in our society with the worship experiences that are going on all over the nation. God is raising up believers to get out of the box and to think differently because we are not going to go back to the way it was. Our generation here, you all are responsible to restore what has been broken. And it's a powerful and it's an awesome um, mantle that is on your lives, but we have to be ready. And I stand here as a spiritual mom, not as some kind of a profound preacher, but I tell you that we have to do something that's very simple. We have to keep our heart right, and we have to keep our attention on Jesus. Our role is to keep our heart right and to keep our attention on Jesus. See, we cannot operate from a place of fear. We have to operate from a place of faith. Satan's plan right now is to instill fear, and he's doing it. The prevailing spirit that's happening is a bullying spirit, and it's an intimidating spirit. The enemy's trying to cause the body of Christ to shrink back, to think, to make us think that he is winning. But how many know the devil is a liar? The devil is a liar. Can I get an amen? He is out to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. He tries to steal your identity so that you don't think that you have the authority to walk in the things of God. He wants you to doubt your motives. He wants wants to destroy your relationship with the word of God. And he wants to dismantle the mission that God has placed you on this earth for. See, Satan cannot stand the fact 
that God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. He can't stand it that we are not at a lack for any good thing. It makes him crazy when he sees a man and a woman of God who are confident in their mission, who are secure in their salvation, who walk in the authority that God has given them and who declares truth over lies. It makes him crazy, which makes me very happy. That's why he goes after our spiritual life, friends. And he's going to continue to do it. And this is a moment in time when he is enraged and he's going after the juggler. And so we have to be ready. I love the scripture in Isaiah 33, 6, where he says, He will be the sure foundation for your times. How many know we are in a time? The Bible says he will be a sure foundation, which is your stability. He will be a rich store of salvation. Salvation is your victory and your deliverance. The wisdom and knowledge will be there. But here's the caveat. The fear of the Lord is the key to the treasure. Walking in the fear of the Lord is the key to your treasure. Isaiah 60 says this, I will make peace your governor and well-being your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. This scripture is an encouragement to us. It's also a directive. How many know we have to take up responsibility right now? The Bible says, peace will govern your soul. Well-being will rule in your hearts, but you have to stand. He says, I will do this. He says, but you will call your your walls salvation and your gates praise. He will call your walls salvation, deliverance, victory, to be liberated from trouble. And your gates praise, which is to flash forth light or to shine. How many know we got to praise through our problems? We got to praise through the trouble. Amen. So here's the reminder. There's a way that God has shown us to walk this road. There is a way through this, but we have to do it his way, friends. Repair the gates and build the walls. Someone say repair the gates and build the walls. Nehemiah exampled this for us, and this is where God led me to, and this is where I began to pray through all summer. I would study Nehemiah and what he did, and I don't have time to go into the whole story of Nehemiah, but I have to tell you what he did to be, make himself ready to do the mission that God had called him to do. See, Nehemiah, this happened in, the, in history at, in 440 B.C., And they were in the process, the Jewish um, people were in exile. You know, for the 70 years, they were in uh, captivity in Babylon. And now they were um, being able to return to their homeland after 70 years of captivity. But they returned in three waves over 90 years. So there had been a very long time 
that it took the people that, that Jerusalem had been destroyed and Ezra and Zerubbabel had rebuilt the temple, but the wall had not been addressed. The wall hadn't been addressed. The Bible says there was too much rubble. They couldn't get it done. The job was too big. And how many of don't you feel like our society, the rubble is just so massive. It's like, what can I do? I don't even know where to start. There's so much rubble in front of me. And Nehemiah hears the news. And the Bible says in Nehemiah 1.3, it says, those who survived the exile are back in the province. And they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. What did Nehemiah do? What was his response? And this is the the moment or the piece that I want to bring out in the story. This is what we have time to talk about. And this is really the most important part of the entire story because how many know the foundation is the most important part? Nehemiah's response, and I believe this is exactly where we are, how we are to respond to this day and this moment and this hour. The Bible says he goes to prayer. He falls to his knees, and he weeps, and he mourns, and he fasted, and he prayed. He didn't go try to tell somebody, this is what we need to do. He didn't go. He first set set himself in the presence of God. He mourned for what had not been done because it had been 160 years of Jerusalem's walls being down. And he fasted, and he prayed, and he prepared, and he got the heart of God. And then he goes in verse 5. And I want to read verse 5 through 8 to you because this is what um, he prayed to the Lord. Starting in verse um, 4, actually. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him. And keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open and hear the prayer of your servant is that your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel, I, somebody say I. He said, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments and the decrees and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. And then he says, remember the instruction that you gave your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you will return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at the, who are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to a place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. What Nehemiah did is he took on the sins of the people. And it reminds me of 2 Chronicles 7.14, which is another scripture that I have been praying over our land. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. If we will humble ourselves If we will seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. How many know we need our land healed today? 
We need to be confessing the sins of our nation. We need to repent personally. What is our responsibility? What is your responsibility in this moment for this day? There are two things that we need to focus on. Two things that we need to focus on. Number one was the action plan that Nehemiah got from the Lord. It was boots on the ground ministry. Amen. Amen. There's, this isn't the time where we sit back or we, we shrink back. This is when God says, this is where the body of Christ has been readied and has been made um, equipped for this moment in time. The first thing he says is rebuild the gates. The first thing he did was rebuild the gates. Why is that so significant? Because gates are entrance points. They allow you to enter in. See, Jesus, for us, what does that mean for us? Jesus was our entrance point. When he died on the cross, at the point of the cross, the cross isn't our focal point, friends. The cross is our entrance point into the throne room of God. Jesus made the way at the cross for us to enter into the presence of God. So what does that tell us? We need to level up right now. Our prayer life needs to be better than it ever has been. We need to be praying always with all prayer and supplication like the Bible says. We need to be reading the word and hearing the voice of God and obeying his voice moment by moment. It's boots on the ground. It's not time for the preparation. It's time for us to be involved in the fight. And we, like I said, we can't win the world, but we can minister right now where we are if we will allow us ourselves to be made ready in the presence of God. If we will keep the word in front of us, not the news in front of us. If we will make sure that the promises are what comes up and out of our mouth, not what is going on in our society and what is wrong. We have enough of that. We have got to be the dominators of our environment, not shrink back and let somebody else do it. We are the body of Christ. We have the answer. We are in the throne room of God. God has already made the way through Jesus Christ for us to have everything that we need. Can I get an amen? What does God have for you today? He did the gates first. And then the Bible says he gathered the people sons and daughters and old people and young people, perfume makers and builders and goldsmiths. Everybody took what was right in front of their home. I love this. See, we, we so often in the church, we say, oh, <clears throat> you know, let the pastor do that. You know, hey, pastor, can you take care of that? No, this is about the body of Christ all working together. Every person took the wall that was right in front of their home. And they did the work on that section of the wall. Why is that significant? Well, the walls were down for a very long time, which meant their defenses were down. They didn't have protection. Walls represent strength and power and fortification. Jerusalem was exposed and disgraced and weak. But friends, we are required personally to build up our defense system our own defense system. We have to keep it strong. Someone say, repair the gates and rebuild the wall. So what's the plan today? What's the plan? We have to keep our faith strong. 
We have to pray always in the Spirit. I find myself praying more in the Spirit than I ever have in my life, constant. Just being my, making myself encouraged in the Lord. Keep my praise on, staying in the presence of God, whether you're in math class or at lunch or at your job or doing your homework, being aware and being available to the Holy Spirit for what he has for you in that moment. Keeping your defense systems intact, your identity secure in the word, God's promises at the forefront of your lips. And reading the word and listening to his voice, make that be the dominant environment that you have in your spirit. And he, God, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to do if you will keep yourself ready. We don't have to think of all the things that we need to do to try to fix Minneapolis or fix everything that's wrong in this world today. But I will... I will accomplish God's plan. You will accomplish God's plan in the place and the purpose that he has for you if you will keep yourself in a place of readiness. Nehemiah finished that job in 52 days. Something that others couldn't do in 160 years. Let me tell you, we are in a new season. It is a new time. We have to be willing and ready to do it, whatever it is that God has for us. And there are miracles that are gonna come out of each and every one of us if we'll accept the mandate that God has put in our lives for this moment in time, amen? So God, I pray, Father, for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will recognize our responsibility and we will focus on not everything else, but God, what is it that you have called me to do for this moment and this time and this day? Help us to be faithful to that, God. And we resist the devil and he must flee. And we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our health. We plead the blood of Jesus over North Central, over Minneapolis, God. Heal our land, God. Heal our land. We repent of the wickedness, God. And we say, heal our land, God. Do it again, Father. We need you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.